This is Suzanne Toro and Thomas Hardavani. You are tuned in to Oneness Talk Radio. One world, one voice, expanding your vision. This is Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators. and indie creators. So here we are, Thomas. Uh, today, as we lead into our little soul vibes, I uh, wanted to explore with you and our audience uh, what it means to be authentic as, from my perspective, that's a continuing, evolving journey for self. Yet, it definitely feeds into how we show up in our communities, in our families, in our relationships and the quality of the output of work that we put out into the world. Uh, Today I was watching a a video, I was educating myself on a technology called a Rife machine, and there was a gentleman that was, or is, a quantum physicist and wrote a book with Hawkins, Stephen Hawkins. Uh, He was actually questioning Deepak about his language that he was using around quantum physics. So they delicately danced around this issue, but there was this subtle reveal of inauthenticity uh, and wanting to save self in that situation. Yet at the same time, you know, uh, each of us has our own perspective and feel at times that we are being as authentic as possible in that moment. So I'd imagine both men were coming from that space. How do you feel authenticity uh, can assist us in our daily life if we're truly guess honest with ourselves. Authenticity, authenticity. You have a dog in your lap. <laughs> I do. The best dog ever. You have a dog <laughs> in your lap while you're <laughs> while you're talking to people about authenticity. Yeah. Is that being inauthentic or authentic to your audience by not letting them know that you have a dog in your lap? Hmm. Well, I would say. It, if I was being dishonest and saying I don't have a dog in my lap and I did, that would be, I guess, inauthentic uh, on one level or dishonest. Oh, that's interesting. So you're, you're connecting authenticity or inauthentic to how close one is to the truth. Um, well, as I'm talking about it, I'm kind of wondering between the discrepancy within myself between those two words. Like, do they mean two separate things to me? Um, something that's authentic. It's like an authentic leather coat. It's, that means it's from a cow, uh, potentially, or another animal. So that, authenticity is kind of uh, similar to the truth? I would say so. Like the truth of what? The truth, Versus of, one's, like, truth of one's behavior, the truth of how one puts one out to, to the rest of the world uh, would determine uh, authenticity. Like if one was uh, moving through the uh, ethers grounded in one's truth, one would be more authentic than somebody who was uh, dreaming their fool heads off, walking through the ethers. Would that make them inauthentic? 
I, I would say the discrepancy in that uh, example would be how objective that individual was in their, as you would say, physical reality. So if you're dreaming a dream or you letting your mind be a, an imaginative state or uh, engaging in your nighttime dreams um, and not able to come back into objective reality, uh, there might be some subtle inauthenticities on the level of self and how you articulate yourself or confusion into the world, right? Wow, that's just a lot of fancy <laughs> words. It's like, woo, it's like, wait, Well, wait, you, you took us there. <laughs> well, I mean, truth and authenticity. Uh, I, I, th I think authenticity is almost like a, an observer's judgment of how someone is behaving, almost like that person's being authentic and that person's being hint authentic. And that's where it gets confusing because that's could be based on somebody's preconceptions, based on their preconscribed likes or predetermined dislikes can kind of taint the actual perception that somebody has of somebody else. And so uh, it's important to sort of define whether it's from the observer or whether it's from the originator. You know, so you want to go from the observer or you want to go from the originator? Well, maybe, I think we should do both because obviously in every moment we come to a situation, whether we're the observer or the originator, with our own preconceived ideas. And if we keep it to a material basis, like this wood desk that's in front of us right now, it's an authentic wood desk. It's not a faux wood desk, meaning a veneer with plywood underneath. So there's ways for us to verify that this is authentically a wood desk from the material sense. There's subtleties within ourself that we could be betraying an image or giving off a message and maybe we're not 100% there. Maybe we want to be there, but we keep you know, putting out that image hoping in hopes we'll get there. Like, are you authentic right now? Are, are you influenced by the fact that you're talking to a group of people, a bunch of people? Is that is that is that tainting your authenticity, or is that uh, allowing you to actually attain authenticity? I think in this moment it makes me be more on point with myself to try to be as honest and true to what I'm saying, knowing that I know all aspects of my good, bad, and uh, beautiful self. So, are you actually a wood desk, or are you a, a veneer wood desk? <laughs> I would. Uh, I'm not a veneer for sure. Uh, I, I would say that I'm pretty much as authentic as I can be in every moment. I don't always like the authenticis authenticity that comes out of my mouth sometimes, uh, because I strive to be, I think, something else than I am in every moment. Um, and so that's probably the incongruency within myself. Now I, I don't really. I could see how someone might observe me that knows me well and sees me behave a certain way and then maybe I'm different with my clients and they might say, well, she's a totally inauthentic. But I try to always be honest with people that I am not, you know, I don't, I do my best to practice what I teach or practice who I am, but I don't try to pretend that I'm that 100% of the time, if that makes sense. So maybe I'm a, a malleable wood desk, a softer wood. Well, you, you have to also look at authenticity. Is it an advantage to be authentic or is it a, a disadvantage to be authentic? Well, I think that's, you know, the, you know, advantage, disadvantage, I guess, where you're trying, I guess, where you're trying to go. 
Um, so it would be an advantage to be authentic if you were looking to optimize your personal potential. This is Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators. Absolutely. But it, it could be advantageous to be inauthentic uh, in certain other types of social circumstances. Well, I guess that goes into politeness, right? Etiquette. <laughs> that politeness. Uh, that happens in certain situations where people uh, don't feel it's appropriate to be authentic in those moments. However, you know, that's something you're quite skilled at is being, uh, I feel, like blatantly truthful uh, in certain situations, and I think that's a breath of fresh air. Well, authenticity has, has a different tenor to it. it otherwise, we wouldn't have the word. It would, it would be uh, interchangeable with truth. Or, uh, or honesty, or something like that. But authenticity uh, feels like it has uh, an accumulated goodness to it. Like if I, like if somebody is authentic, it just it just didn't show up in that moment. It was something that they would have been cultivating over years and years of time to take on something that's authentic. Like, <laughs> what's fun about the conversation is is that it's sort of a bar for integrity. Like, the longer somebody maintains this internal fortitude, this internal radiance, and remains on a, on a path that allows them to maximize their well-being and allows them to center themselves in the present moment and to to make good decisions based on really what's going on as opposed to uh, being completely influenced by projecting imagination into a space, uh, operating from a place of fear. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting distinguishing difference. Like, like, that's why I think that's what we love about animals too, is that, that they are in themselves absolutely authentic and their behaviors and their reactions and their uh, affectations and how they how they move about is very authentic. It doesn't Absolutely. seem like they have the ability to be anything other than what they are. I would say absolutely, and all the animal species and the insect species, uh, some, you know, certain species have the ability to, I don't know, they have the ability to manipulate or, you know, play uh, in certain ways, but like you a know. chameleon, like a chameleon. Could, would a chameleon be considered an inauthentic animal? No, it's authentically being a chameleon. I think authenticity, as you said, it's like this, the, maybe the some accumulation of an effort. Also, I think there's a sincerity. Like if you're having an authentic moment with someone, it may not be, you know, rainbows and Cheerios full of joy, but it still might be a very authentic moment, you know, especially if it's coming from different emotional subsets. I think when I bring up the word authenticity, it's more like, can you be your truest self in every moment? And how does that benefit? You know, when we look at um, just even what came out in the just current news cycle of parents authentically wanting their kids to have a college education. So they were willing to go at it for many different ways to make well, sure yeah, that happened. See, now you just use the word entirely differently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but used, isn't that true that they substituted authentic with genuinely wanting something? <laughs> For themselves, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if the word authentic or how we're trying to apply it to a human being would kind of fit that sentence structure. Want to try that sentence again? 
Well, I, I think their efforts were authentic in those that moment for their intended outcome. So isn't that... Well, well it's, they just substituted authentic in for their efforts were authentic for the word genuine. Like, yeah. Like it was a genuine or an honest effort. Can you rephrase that again for an, in another <laughs> sentence? Because it, it is, the reason why we're talking about it is yeah. because it is one of these words that seemingly gets plugged in for convenience as opposed to really looked at for the value Well, that it has. I, I can use it for this example. It, maybe it's better than using it for criminal act, like being authentically involved in a criminal activity. Um. <laughs> Describing <laughs> the justification for criminal activity is... But some people are really good at that. Authentic <laughs> choice. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would say if we looked at a persona that, let's say, was teaching a certain thing out to the world, let's say they were teaching to be a chef, and they got up and they had an identity and a brand, and they were pro projecting this out to the world, and then it was revealed that this person doesn't even know how to cook, that they're coached on how to move through step by step they don't even know how to like cook something from their mind it's more has to be from a recipe they don't even know how to mix recipes so all of a sudden people might have believed in that chef as to be a true chef in the state of someone that would study and go to school and go through all the training or learn that um, in their own kitchen so there the authenticity would fall away you know the the belief of that which is so that's it's kind of where I was going at is like you know are we playing a charade with ourselves, and is there value every day to be you know the authentic wood desk or are we trying to be a veneer of some kind on top of another substrate because if we're constantly on inner conflict of what we are on the outside to the inside there's gonna be a struggle is your struggle authentic <laughs> At that point, I would say it would be an authentic. See, it's when you look at it from the outside, I think it's very hard to define. But if you look at it relative to reflecting on yourself and whether you, whether like I'm being authentic or not, it's a it's a much more useful term because then I can start to reflect upon myself and ask difficult questions as to how I am. I am being right uh, and if if I reflect on myself and I and I say and I, and I realize that I'm inauthentic there's something amiss in that I feel like there's something that I could have gotten that I didn't get right but if I can answer to the question am I authentic or was I authentic or am I authentic and I can answer yes then I can feel that I brought all of myself into a particular moment that was possible. Right. And I can value that. I can value my authenticity within the context of particular actions that I might take to get through the day. And, and I would imagine that if I had enough authentic moments or took enough authentic actions that eventually I would be authentic. And would you, so the interior, the, the participator in the moment is really the only one that can hold self accountable. 
because the outside observer of perceived inauthenticities is coupled with subjective reality and potential judgment. Would you agree? Okay. Potential judgment. That I mean, there's always the, the prospect of potential judgment. Well, all those I'm things are not under our control. But what we do have control over is the quality of how we move through time and space. And if we uh, understand the dynamic or the rules that go into allowing us to do that, uh, we become more authentic. Right. And it's not determined by other people's opinions or judgments of whether we actually are authentic. And in fact, a matter at that point in time, we may not be authentic because maybe we haven't accumulated enough actions that we're actually, not to use the word again, but authentic. So it's a, if authenticity is an accumulation of quality moments that add up to somebody being perceived as authentic, that's wonderful. That's one way to use it. But in terms of a personal reflection upon how we are doing in any given moment, the goal would be to be as authentic as possible so that we can experience as much as we could within that activity. And that's wonderful. That's, 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 a, that's a beautiful way to give oneself one own bar to, to ascribe to, to uh, touch on uh, in terms of if somebody has a question about how they're doing. This is Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators this term bar which I think is a great term uh, to set set the mark you know athlete will set the mark if they have a goal uh, so with this aspect of taking authentic effort towards something and having it set to a certain goal or level how do you feel that benefits not just self but the world around us well, I, I mean, it's a, it's a really, it's a high, it's a virtuous word because it's, a, it's ascribed to those people that are really good or even great at what they're doing. We give that word, so we say, hey, that's an authentic human being or that's a, an authentic act. It's another a word that can align itself with authenticity, somebody who has defined themselves in whatever activity that they're up to. Chances are, if we can perceive them to have this authentic quality, they're really good at what they do. And that's a, that's really a compliment for somebody to say, hey, I love, you know, I love what you do. You're, I can feel your commitment. You're an original. There's an authentic aspect to you that uh, radiates through your, through your chosen vocation. And that's a real, it's a super, it's a super compliment. I don't know if I've heard it used in that context, because we have these other words like great and original, and we have these other words. Authentic kind of grounds it in humility. When you say like a, an authentic act is sort of somehow grounded in a selflessness. Those are things to aspire to. Those are it's a high-minded human quality. The more you look at it, the more we talk about it, the more I reflect on, you know, what does it take to become an authentic human being? And there's a lot of, you know, we hear this a lot, you know, be yourself, do you, uh, you know, mm. express yourself. So many generalizations aimed at be yourself, you know, be yourself. Well, you could also say be your authentic self. Right. Which, which 
takes out a lot of the noise and sort of focuses it on uh, an originality, more sacred to the person involved in the activity. Which I, I like that thread because it kind of differentiates because when we talk into some of those kind of pop culture terms like do you, um, it's kind of giving someone a hall pass necessarily just to be however they are. And I know sometimes in my jagged edge moments, I really don't want someone necessarily encouraging more of that behavior. But if they're encouraging me to, you know, be as authentic and true to my highest, uh, that's of greater benefit to myself and others. Well, man is legion, man, or many, 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 until we realize the one. When we realize the one, then an authenticity becomes possible. Mm -hmm. The one that unifies all of those fragmented pieces of us, organizes all of the, all of the lower aspects of ourselves and directs that uh, into one moment so that we can ascertain what the right thing to do is, what choices can be made. So from our authentic self, we can make better choices because we're not influenced by what isn't. We can ascertain what is. What do you feel is the best way to exercise that muscle? What do you feel would be the best way to exercise <laughs> your muscle? I mean, that's that's pretty much individual. Like, a, right. like to put it on, like like how I would do that, is a direct path to my own personal freedom. Right. And since I've taken that road so many times, there is a direct path to becoming more authentic. So it's a step-by-step. -step. The, the basics are, you know, find your way back into the present moment. You know, uh, line yourself up with your immediate world around you through some sort of meditative repose, which is simply an exercise to get yourself back into the objective reality that you exist in. And there's a million, million ways to do that. But right. however somebody finds their way of doing that, do that. And then sit in it long enough to, to uh, be clear about what's actually happening. And then on your way to making a good choice, you're, be, you're authentic in making that choice. You, you become authentic because now you're influenced by the obfuscation that could be surrounding you within the within your environment, within the, or, or obfuscation, or you could use the word chaos, like chaos, like lots of fragmented influences and maybe noisy, rowdy influences around you. You can center yourself in that and, and uh, become authentic within all that noise. And that's really what most of us are confronted with is there is a lot of noise and we have to compose ourselves in it. The moment we compose ourselves, we become more authentic. Absolutely. Then the deeper question, I guess, for any of us is, what is that authenticity that we're trying to achieve? You know, and I, I think that evolves over time based on, yeah, finding the stillness in the moment and seeing really what is and how you want to respond to it. Well, authenticity is not something initially I think we, that we go, we chase after. It's something that we become as we move into our original self. Right. It's a, so it's more of a label for somebody else to put onto a person that is becoming more present, uh, has more of a control over the, themselves within a certain set of circumstances, is able to make choices within those circumstances that are allow them to survive and thrive and prosper. And in those moments that that person is in those, that action, they are being authentic. They're not, that's not like the person thinking, oh, I'm authentic now, I'm authentic, I'm authentic. <laughs> No. Say it a thousand times. I'm authentic now. I'm authentic now. I'm authentic. It's like it's like a label or a description of somebody 
that's genuinely within their element, taking the actions that allow them to, like I said, thrive or prosper. I keep thinking the whole time we're having this conversation is it's Tim Tebow. There's an authenticity to him, and um, Ben Shapiro. There's an authenticity to that the, those gentlemen in in what they choose to express themselves as. Yeah, they're perceived as, as that. Tim Tebow is very identified with his religion. If somebody is identified in their spiritual practice, just because of their spiritual practice, they are perceived to be authentic. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually authentic. Well, right. While I mean, they, I don't know they, either of these they, people personally, they, but while they preach, we may we may perceive like Ben Shapiro as truthful or he may have a way in which he goes about perceiving himself in his life, and he may have a way of going about perceiving politics as he feels that they should be. But within those moments, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're being absolutely authentic. They can, they can get stuck in their own ideas and be Correct. limited to certain ideology that actually robs them of their authenticity. Right. Well, I think that's, you hit the nail on the head there because you, one, to retain your personal freedom, you have to be willing to hold on to your free will and two, keep an open mind. And so therefore, any lock perspective could keep you from authentically expressing yourself just by the uh, pure fact of being attached to some uh, ideology. Like Shapiro's a very, he's very attached to his ideology and he's very intellectual. And that right there can limit him. From listening to him, I, I, I've just witnessed that he seems reasonable. So there's a, a, will, a willingness to be malleable. Like, uh, and Tim Tebow is most original when he's in his sport. I guess then the exercising of the muscle is where that expression, those innate gifts are. Uh, and then it bleeds into everyday life. Well, only if, only if he's cognizant of it. Mm-hmm. If a person goes from an authentic moment right back into I, their ideology, it, it means that they're actually being insincere in their ideology and being very sincere in their action, which has nothing to do with their ideology. They may connect their success with their idea as they move into action. Uh, but there's a there's a, you can see that there's a little variance yeah. there. But but the authentic the authentic person is simply a person that is in immersed in their action in a very clear way with the best of intention and out of that we, we can label that authentic the person in action is not saying right. wow look how authentic <laughs> i am no as you're using that example it's a good juicy contemplation i'm seeing the you know the emt or the ambulance or firefighter responding in a 911 situation they're absolutely not saying oh i'm being authentic they're focused but it's a nice nuance to label a person that's in right action. Right. And right action is a really important term. Absolutely. It's a great contemplation. Let's try to find our way to our authenticity, our original self. Our original self. Aho. This is Suzanne Toro and Thomas Hardavani. You are tuned in to Oneness Talk Radio. One world, one voice, expanding your vision.
This is Suzanne Toro and Thomas Hardavani. You are tuned in to Oneness Talk Radio. One world, one voice, expanding your vision. This is Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators. Tuned into Oneness Talk Radio. Follow, follow the sun, and which way the wind blows when this day is done. This is Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators. Awesome Breon Davis, actor, award-winning director, philanthropist, just a, an all-around intelligent guy. You know, but just as a reminder, how we go about perceiving the world and getting the most out of it. How we go about getting the most out of life. How we go about elevating our levels of consciousness while we're in action. How we go about assessing an environment and knowing that it's happy or positive for us or or a safe place for us to be to expand and to grow. And that's really up to us and how we perceive the world. Tuning us into this nuance of how to maintain our integrity under difficult circumstances and how to how to lead, how to encourage and inspire the people that we love, how to encourage and inspire our communities, how to encourage and inspire the places that we work at, how we encourage and inspire anything, Suzanne. Absolutely. Encouragement is helpful. Encouragement is helpful. How are you yeah. finding joy these days? More physical movement, being out in nature, than craving a lot of... How are you... You know, I think it's the... Qual- for me, joy is d- dependent on the quality of my state of being, my mind, my body, my heart, and my soul. So when all those things are elevated, everything's running smooth. So let's say you go to the... Let's go <laughs> say you go to a restaurant. Like, like what are you looking for? Uh, oh, at a restaurant, I'm looking... I don't... Yeah, there's a lot of factors, but the key factor to me is the the quality of the food and the quality of the service. Uh, quality of food and the quality of service. Yeah, and then the atmosphere can go either way. It can be a funky hole in the wall, or it could be really a posh place or well designed. I enjoy those things just from my architectural background, but uh, food and service are really important. There's many other things going on to uh, tune people into the best things in life and seeing the world with a fresh pair of eyes and just. Educating our brains to the point that we should look for these creases in life where there's opportunity to expand, opportunities to smile, ways to physiologically use our creative, actually use our creative minds to trigger a positive physiological response to the environments that we're in. Um, And that's the best way that I can put it right now, but we can actually take into account the quality of the environment but you can just say how's the quality of my mind oh i'm about at a 50 percent right now i might need to get up and go and then you can decide how do you want to navigate your day your body might feel slow or your mind might feel slow or everything might feel free you know it varies every day uh, yeah but a lot, a lot of times that we're in a mess or we're involved in some family drama or some work drama our ideas can overcome us and uh, we may not put our best foot forward. We may create a lot of stress and anxiety in the body and the mind or the spirit. But actually, we have a way of perceiving that from a moment-to-moment basis, 
and not become reactive, but become creative in those moments. And that's really uh, up to us and each each of us individually. And that's what we're here to do through our guests, through our artistic guests, through our successful business guests, through our athlete guests. We learn about their process under the most stressful of circumstances and how they learn from those circumstances and then bring those lessons that they learned in their sport, their job, their art, out in their life and actually make the world a better place. So this has been a tremendously fun, <laughs> rewarding uh, opportunity for us to actually explore this, right, Suzanne? Absolutely. I, You know, I mean, who disputes not wanting some more joy in their life, right? Well, well like it, there's a couple <laughs> different levels. There's external joy that's feeding off of the environment that's uh, giving us signals, right? right? And then we have this enjoy and how we manifest this uh, radiant light within us and become a beacon for other people Absolutely. and how we behave, how we treat each other, <laughs> how we talk to each other, or more importantly, how we uh, have compassion for others that might be struggling or suffering with a, with a difficult circumstance and not get pulled into that and become part of the problem. It's about how we can assess it and keep our heads above water. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, it's a dance. You know, when I'm teaching a class and I ask, check in with everyone, everyone's in a different place. So obviously in our close personal relationships, we're not always going to be on the same page. So when we have that awareness to pull back and say, oh, that person's like a little testy or ignited or they're fully into something that I'm not into right now, we can dance with one another a little bit easier. Dance with it. Dance. Can you explain <laughs> dance? What is that? What is that dance? Well, I mean, we have repetitive patterns that are not so uh, positive building on the energetic field, meaning that they don't have a positive outcome. They're usually repetitive and they end in the same result, like being in a gerbil wheel. Or Being we, in a gerbil <laughs> wheel? Do you spend much time in a gerbil wheel? I try not to. I try to exit stage left as quickly as possible. But Gerbil wheel is interesting. That's, that's an interesting exploration in itself as well. I mean, you're talking about just the karmic repetition of reactive uh, behavior, right? Is that, is that what well, you're defining? Well, it's sometimes as? reactive. Sometimes you're responding, but you don't know. But typically we have historic patterns. I mean, quantum physics shows us this. We are designed to attach and magnetize, and then we spin. And so those. Wow, that's way over my head. Attach and magnetize and then spin. Yeah, and then we have concentric circles. <laughs> and then concentric circles. Wow. Yeah, and so the pattern is always the same, but if we create chaos, then when we reform, we can still attach, magnetize, and spin, but in harmony versus creating. Good Lord, woman. How do you put that into English? Like, what kind of an example is there for that? Okay, so dancing. You're doing the waltz. The waltz feels good, but someone wants to do the salsa. What are you going to do? Well, typically there's a <laughs> typically there's a lead in there somewhere, and there right. are, there's a leader and but a follower. But you're really yearning to do the salsa, so the leader decides to do what? W whatever he's trained to do. Yeah, but something has to happen. The music needs to change, <laughs> right? We need to have a little salsa. A little salsa. We can never have too much salsa, can we? Listen, I'm really excited about uh, our guests, though, like Breon Davis, yeah. right? How about this guy? He's a handsome devil, isn't he? He's amazing. I'm really excited to talk about his film. Obviously, it's a, uh, Embrace of the Serpent is a Well, that was, 20, that was 2016, and I remember yeah. sitting in front of that TV wondering if they're going to win that Oscar for that thing, but that's quite an honor to be have, to have, have a film that's nominated that uh, you're the lead in, right? Absolutely. Right. And let's uh, set up Breon Davis before he comes in. So we've got Breon coming in right now. The guy, the guy, man, the guy. Inyete, Ige, Fuerta. Uruguay, Afena, Onnote, 
This is Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators. We hey, hey. Here he is. we got Brion Davis in the house, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding, man? I'm really just great to see you. Last time I saw you, we were at your screening of uh, Embrace of the Yeah, Sarpa. you came down to see it at um, the place in uh, Long Beach, the the last video store. What is it? What? Yeah, not, not, that was that was that was in Long Beach. That was Venice. That was Santa Venice. Monica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was that was quite a privilege to see in that small group of people mm -hmm. and to hear you talk so eloquently about that process. So, what are you doing? What are you doing now, man? Uh, you, you you received a, since then you received a, a directorial award. You received. Uh, yeah. Tell us. <laughs> well, I, I I'm I'm shooting two other features right now. I'm shooting a. Uh, one feature called Moon Garden. It's a dark fantasy feature, which is really, really great. The production company, Fire Trial Films, they just won... Pull that mic a little um, bit closer to you. They just won uh, Best uh, Sci-Fi Feature at Burbank Film Festival last week. Great. Which kind, is cool. What kind of parts you got? You got a juicy part yeah, in there? Yeah, it's the father of a little girl, and she... Uh, I think I can say this. She falls down the stairs and goes to a coma, and that's where she... Oh, no. She spends uh, about eight years in this fantasy, dark fantasy world, and the mom and I are all distraught. And so it's interesting. It goes back between ten years off, you know, in, in ten years prior, ten years post. It sounds like a present. very artsy, fartsy, very, <laughs> very yeah. like uh, cool, nuanced film. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan Harris is the uh, the director, and he's fantastic. He's edited about three or four Netflix films, and this is his first big feature, but. Uh, I guess what I would call my my directorial debut um, film. How, how was that? So, Taking the other uh, side of the camera. It's amazing. You know, I've directed a lot of theater. Um, attempted to direct a, another project that that uh, I learned some lessons with. Um, but then this one is the first one that's uh, you know carried out and been produced and. That's awesome, man. Well, 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 listen, well, that, that makes a big difference. And to, when does it release? Uh, your one that you're in production for? This one that I'm in production for now, it released, well, they go, they're going through uh, editing and post and all that. Okay. And then there's another one called Six Mile that we're in pre-production for. That's okay. really fantastic. Well, let's, well, let's go. How'd, listen, how'd you get into all this stuff? There must, I mean, way back when, when, you, when did you decide you wanted to become this actor, artist guy? Um, I was chasing fame and riches, and then Where you from? there it happened. Texas? Are you from Texas, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. From, these guys from Texas. <laughs> yeah, my, what part my, of Texas? Northeast Texas, okay. Paris, Texas. Okay. Was it, How much acting could there have been in Paris, Texas? My first role, I was nine years old playing Tom Sawyer in uh, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Oh, my goodness. Paris Community Theater. And then, it, and then I was painting a fence... And people started laughing at me. <laughs> and everybody kept laughing at me. And I thought in my little nine-year-old mind that, wow, I can change people's <laughs> moods. Oh, make let's talk laugh. about that. How, how do you, have you employed that life. since you were nine? Changing I'm, people's moods. Like when you realize, like, wow. Oh, it's just, you know, I, I tried to be all these different things. And, and, and what I really wanted to do was tell stories. And I got to do that. And that was... You know, from that moment forward, however, I could be a part of telling a story, whether producing or directing or writing or. 
This is Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators. Listeners out there, they're probably like, how the hell do you get into acting? Like, how do you make that step? Like, what were you feeling? I mean, it seems like you walked into a really awesome situation. I mean, mean, in terms of just somebody that's trying, thinking about breaking through, maybe some some young Breon Davis from Paris, Texas (laughs) gets to watch this and he goes, what the hell? Wow, how do you do that, man? Well, the first thing I would say is is join a class wherever you are. Bright Lights Acting Studio in Austin, Texas was um, Mona Lee. Um, bright light, she, yeah. bright light, bright light. What? Bright lights acting studio in Austin. Bright she, lights acting studio in Austin, Texas. You yeah. Austin, Texas people. You Texas people get to that school. Yeah, she set me on my way. She she said, uh, I, I said, what do I do? I, I want to go to New York. What, how do I? And she goes, get into a school right away and um, look into schools. And I was thinking about Juilliard, and it was way too expensive. And uh, so I went to H- HB Actor Studio, and I think that that, that was, was my first the, acting studio. Really? Yeah. So Uda I have a question Uda, being a Uda non-actor Hagen. for the two actors in the room. Okay. Uh, what was the, like for you, you said the mood, like you could change someone's mood through acting. What was the draw for you to be an actor? I, I just I just fell into it because I was getting my picture taken. So I had an agent and I figured I'd, and I'd better learn how to act. And my first film was with Marsha Gay Harden and Tom no Gibson. Way. What was in it? A, in a in a NYU thesis film called Whitewash. Wow. Yeah, two of the two one one Oscar winner and mm-hmm. another multiple Emmy Tony winner. That's and, that's yeah. who I got to jump in with. Marsha so, Gay Harden. So well. I'm a lead in a film with these guys, <laughs> and I'm realizing at that point I'm in way over my head. <laughs> You know, I still came out of it not knowing what the hell I was doing, but at least I had a sense. Yeah, I kind of feel that way. But I always, but I had a sense of what I wanted to do. But this is, you know, I I don't know what your experience was, but I, I have a feeling that there were some ups and some downs. Can, can you remember? Can you remember something being down? Oh man! At that, some point, New York's cold, right? Yeah. And I was gung ho, gung ho, and I think I was maybe 22 by the time I came back home. It was actually about six months prior to 9/11. And I, I, it broke me. New York mm. broke me, so I went back home to Austin, regained my strength. So tell, I, let's let's go there. Let's go. Let's yeah. go to where you where, where where it broke you. I mean, what were the elements that went into that? It was cold. I was young. <laughs> it was you know expensive. As much, yeah, I mean, I had a great job. I, I was, um, I was, uh, I opened a restaurant in, in Times Square called oh Ruby Foods, and and that was when waiters were making just ridiculous money, and um, and you know it was. You so you know, did the waiter thing. You did the classic oh, yeah. waiter thing. Gotcha. Waiting, bait, bartending. I was a teacher assistant. I your what I call lava, your spiritual truth, the thing that no one knows but you, and it was on fire and uh and and i would have nightmares and i would have dreams and i, I had anxiety attacks I, I remember being stopped at a, a green light maybe three times through the green light just completely stopped and a knock on my window saying and, and this this guy was like are you okay are you okay and 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 i kind of woke up from it but i was crying it was very strange so what was the struggle what was the conflict there that i wasn't doing what i was supposed to be doing mm. wow it was that big of a pull it was that obvious to you yeah, waking up in the middle of the night and knowing that I was meant for something, not this, not necessarily bigger or greater, because I don't want to downplay those jobs, uh, but those jobs weren't what I was supposed to be doing. Right. And um, and I knew I was supposed to move forward. I was supposed to go. I was supposed to get out and explore the world and see the world. And so after that, I knew 
you know, that however long it was going to mm. take. For you me were going to do it. I was going to do it. I was just going to live my life and, and, and have a journey. That, and, that was a huge risk. Who, who, what, yeah. were the, what were the opponents to that? I mean, what was the, who, who were the expectations of your community keeping you there? Or was it something that you felt like you were supposed to do relative to what you realized you should be doing? You know, my parents were really supportive. Um, fear of, of not having money, fear of not having success, fear of, I, I, don't, I don't know, like <laughs> society going, this is the game that you're supposed to play. These are the rules that you're supposed to play by. And, and dude, you broke those rules. Oh, hell yeah. You I broke mean, those rules. You broke all that conventional bullshit. How many bullshit. people are not happy because they don't break God those rules? Right. Yeah. God damn right. God damn it. That's just what's going on right there. That's break it. the rules. That's break the freaking conventional rules. That's what you got to do. Yeah, but the thing is, you break those rules, but then you step into a whole other set of natural rules, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you start paying attention to different nuances and stuff like that. How about How is that for you? Like. Like, and, like you broke the rules, you committed to the one side of the fence. Now, what are the rules on the other side? Balance. Balance and in, 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 in trusting that you're on the right journey, trusting that you're listening to that, that truth and, and doing yoga and meditation mm-hmm. and, you know, having a, a healthy balance of all the major components of your life, which is spirituality and, and financial and... Thomas and Suzanne with Soul Vibes and Indie Creators. Relationships and career and education, making so, so, sure that all so, those so the world are... basically it's almost like instead of paddling in front of the wave, you kind of just waited for the wave to come pick you up, right? It's kind of like that difference. When you're open, when you're open, the wave will come pick you up. But when you're closed off or you, you're fighting... But do you really think fighting. it's that about being open or it's just your quantum... Like, we have such a written destiny. So you had a destiny. And so even if you fought it up until the last minute, you were going to end up right where you started. Um, I don't not uh, agree with that. Uh, of course, I yeah. think that, that no matter... I think if... but. I think some people don't, and they continue to fight that truth and fight that truth, and right. that's what causes the misery. They're going against that wave. They're going against it. Yeah, and until no they don't what, anymore. Right? So what? So <laughs> what? What? What creative principles are on the when you when you slow down just that half step and catch that wave? I mean, what? What's that like? Love the lull. Love mm-hmm. the lull. Yeah. Explain. <laughs> I love it. Love the lull. And that's one of the tools we're going to walk out of here, people. We're going to start loving that lull, apparently. You know, it's, I mean, what we do, and I, I'm, I'm sure you have some equal frustrations in life in general, but I can be walking, you know, on, on, on the red carpet of the Oscars and, and, and doing all that and living that life or in the middle of the Amazon jungle and in a canoe and being in the perfect, that's the perfect place for me. <laughs> that is the perfect place. On top of a mountain or in the water with expansive water on either side and on dolphins top of the water up. doing your art baby <laughs> on top of an amazon water doing on That's... top of an amazon mountain doing his art amazon mountain doing well, well we have a couple of things amazon going there but we'll... mountain <laughs> That's how beautiful my... is that doing my art hey there's some pictures a when, mystical journey when you yeah. watched when you watched those previews when you watched that little <laughs> commercial you saw him in the Amazon, in the Amazonian River. How do you employ, especially living like kind of a 
a rhythm with movies are a big production or theater's a big production and then there's a big lull for sure. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys stay in the moment where it's like, okay, it's time to enjoy the Because he's new. loving the lull. He's loving mm-hmm. the lull. Between yeah. the jobs, it's where you actually prepare But not your... everyone's so good at that. Can you give the... Because some people even have a, a lull every weekend. They have two days off, but they don't maybe utilize it that way. That's so a great can... track. How do, you feel, how, do you, how do you create that opportunity for you to create... Actually, this man's creating a lull on purpose because that's where he's filling himself up creatively right that's looking it. for the next opportunity that's it you so know how do you how do you do that how do i feel it how do, yeah how do you shift your mind from one thing to the next versus do like doing the laundry worrying about you're worrying not gonna about, have a new about job this, worrying about oh, that. how do you not worry oh my god how I mean, do you I, not worry about it i hate cleaning my house but sometimes it needs to get done and i i can't quite get somebody to come over and do it but uh, the, the laundry all that stuff you know i mean that's you know you got to have gratitude that you have laundry well, there's a, a word. washer and dryer. There's a word. There's a word. There's gratitude. That's a good secret to existing in a lull. Is yeah. it not? Yeah. You know, we're talking about things that most, a lot of people don't have the courage to stop thinking. Or they don't have the courage to start dreaming. Or they don't have the courage to use that imagination. Because as actors, that imagination affects us physiologically immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, like the moment I... I start imagining something, the body starts taking on whatever mm. it is that I'm imagining. It's pretty bizarre uh, in, in a in a really cool way. And that's how sensitive we are as actors, too. We, we see things, we start to become things, right? <laughs> you imagine, you think something, and it affects you emotionally. It begins to affect your behavior. It be, you know, and you take all that stuff and have all that emotional... Uh, thing working for you and those thoughts working for you and then you go and say lines in a script that are completely different from the things that you were thinking to get you there yeah it's complicated stuff so do this because i get to listen to thomas teach from time to time and i always feel like acting is a great crossover technique to living reality the one we're doing right now Mm -hmm. if you guys can share a little bit how you utilize your imagination to help Basically, as you might say, impose your will on a moment. Well, I want to hear Brian's process. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to hear. Yeah, how you, you know, maybe how with you, your partner. How do you, how do you use your imagination properly as opposed to let it destroy you? Visualization, visualize things you want with all your senses. Uh, five years prior to going to the Oscars, I said I, I, I will be at the Oscars by 2016. And I had um, uh, uh, that on my vision board or wrote in my journal and, and literally. And maybe it was seven years prior, but um, I didn't know how that was going to happen. It's, so it's holding your focus where you want to be. Yeah, but the, 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 how you yeah, manifested you know, that. It, you no, manifested that, dude. You, yeah. you opened up to it and the world, the universe provided you the opportunity of a lifetime. I manifested that when I was a Boy Scout in, in the Ozark <laughs> Mountains. Oh. You know, canoeing and rowing in the yeah. Ozark Mountains. And that's where that started. It started then. And then I just kept listening. And how, kept listening no, wait, so how did that start? So you're in the Ozark Mountains. How do you attribute that to winding up on the red carpet Oscar? Because I, I would uh, teach rowing and canoeing in the Boy Scouts, and I would go to the waterfront every year and spend four to six weeks. I think it was about six weeks. Well, that, well maybe you guys can open up that indigenous. There's a lot of faith. There's a lot of connection to the earth. There's a lot of sensory... Um, awareness of the world that you're in how does that i mean that that indigenous culture and our lives as actors or any sort of artist we're 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 kind of you would know more but we're kind of keyed in in a similar way as uh 
as a, as an indigenous individual out in the world in a way the artist sure. is sort of paying attention in a very sure. nuanced way empath you know mm -hmm. empathy you have to i mean to, to be an actor i think to be a great actor i think you have to have a really strong uh sense of empathy and compassion for other people and how, and, how does that how does that carry over into those native cultures what kind of, um, what kind of experience they're connected was that? they're open they're not bombarded by you know i'm sure there's the you know the ego is, is is certainly still there and you can see that it plays out a little bit in embrace of the serpent but um i think the way that the indigenous culture is is they tell stories they they have a spirituality they do you know the the, the makeup and the the stories through piercings and tattoos and you know living um connected with the the stars and the ground and the earth and the trees and the plants and how can you and they tell these stories around the fire and and that's how the stories were told from generation to generation and so you just your imagination just begins mm. to Creates. see that yeah see those stories. so so when the director says uh, action what, what what parallels are going from that experience into the from the indigenous raw instinctual human being that you are into the moment where that director says action there, what, what's the carryover there primal primal yeah you know it's it's when you when you need something when you need something so much and you're mm -hmm. you're hungry and you're 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 you're, you're, you're all those layers are, are are moved you know and so in your film because if your soul was really called towards the working with indigenous but you were the white man in the film mm -hmm. how was it to not give way to that aspect the inner aspect to kind of um, be the colonized man and open yourself to the transformation with your relationship well yeah I mean the one of the the best uh, quotes I think Indie Wire put out uh, was a, a quote saying that Richard the, or Evan the character that I played in the film who's based on Richard Evan Schultz um, that uh, he had an overconfidence in his own intellect mm. and so colonialism in itself and uh, corporatism in itself is is essentially colonialism and there's an overconfidence in that intellect that our way is the best way our way is the only way right. and, the, and the only and they have nothing to offer in those cultures that's the real that was really the unfortunate part was seeing those cultures who had so much to offer in the way of spirituality in way of connecting with the earth in the way of that that their 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 languages were gone but in essence in essence really what they were they what did they have that the colonials did not have really connection to mother nature freedom inside of each of us is everyone you each are side, that in, therefore i am of, huh? each side you of, are that therefore i am no what did you just say say it again inside <laughs> each of us is everyone what would you like to leave the, leave our audience with i love you tom i think you're <laughs> Fucking rock star, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, you've inspired Suzanne, me. It's you've so inspired. nice to meet you, it's and I, I want to talk to you more about uh, your shaman experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is Suzanne Cardavani. You are tuned into Oneness Talk Radio, One World, One Voice, expanding your vision.